Welcome to Northgate Christian Fellowship's weekly message series. And now, here is Senior Pastor Ken Jensen. There uh, comes a time in every parent's life um, that, um, that they dread with anticipation. And it's often called the talk. You know what I'm talking about, the talk. And, um, and usually we're, we kind of dread it because we're never really prepared for it. Because sometimes we think we're prepared and then all of a sudden we realize it's time for the talk. And you realize everything that you were going to say, your mind just goes blank. And, and, I, and I, remember, I remember the talk my dad gave me. Well, I don't remember the talk because he kind of stumbled and stammered and everything. But what I do remember is eventually at the end of the talk, he gave me a book. And he says, here, read this. If you have any questions, come and ask me. I'm not going to ask my dad any of those questions. <laughs> um, and so I determined, I determined, okay, when, when I get older and my kids get to that age and we have the talk, I'm going to do a much, much better job than my dad did. And sure enough, the time came and I blew it just as badly as he did, you know, because it's just, it just, it, you never really prepared for it. And that's kind of the idea behind this whole series that we're doing. We are doing the talk as a church. We're talking about sex, bringing sexy back, but particularly back to God's intent and God's design. And I've, I've really enjoyed this, this whole series. And I think Pastor Larry, the last two weeks, has just done a bang up job. I mean, yeah, didn't he? I just thought it's great. And, uh, I mean, who would have thought of identifying with a dog bed and a touchdown dance? And, you know, I, I thought, gosh, wow, that's, that's great homework, too. You know, I just, I'm not going to ask you to raise your hands on how you're doing on that. But um, so this morning, we're going to continue it. And what we're going to go to is, is really kind of what we started at the beginning, the, the core idea, why God created, because it is his design. It is his creation. It's his idea. And, and if you ask me, I think it's one of his best ones. Um, but it's really, it's all about intimacy. It's about oneness. And, and what we're going to be talking about this morning, going all the way back again to Genesis 2, is what that looks like. Because when we usually talk about intimacy, what pops into our head is physical intimacy, sexual intimacy. But there is so much more to it than that. And if you want to pull out your Bibles and turn to Genesis chapter 2, uh, we're going to read beginning in verse 21. <clears throat> it says that the Lord God caused the man to fall into a deep sleep. And while he was sleeping, he took one of the man's ribs and then closed up the place with flesh. Then the Lord God made a woman from the rib that he had taken out of the man, and he brought her to the man. And the man said, this is now bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woman, for she was taken out of man. That is why a man leaves his father and mother and is united to his wife, and they become one flesh. And Adam and his wife were both naked and they felt no shame. Now that sentence, both naked and felt no shame, has more, than, more to do than just about not having any clothes on. It has to do with full open disclosure. No secrets, no cover-ups, no, no hidden agendas, no nothing. Full and complete openness and honesty. And unashamed. That there was no shame in that. That, that it, it, from the beginning in God's creation, that was the idea for a man and a woman to come together in a complete oneness and to know each other and understand each other and, and, and to be able to, to live together. And that's the whole idea behind intimacy, oneness, or as Mark Driscoll puts it, into me see, because that's what it is. It's the full disclosure. It's complete openness and honesty with each other. And the thing about that is, is, 
When we, like I said, we talk about it, we usually think of physical intimacy, but there's so much more to who we are because we're not just physical beings. We are emotional beings. We are um, intellectual beings. We are social, relational beings, and we are spiritual beings. And so this morning, what we're going to do is we're going to talk about this idea of intimacy, but not just physical intimacy, intimacy in every aspect of my life. And particularly in this, this morning's talk, we're going to be really focused. If you are single here, this is the time you need to hear this stuff. If you are a student, um, this is the time to hear this because married people in this room will tell you a lot of the stuff they wish they had heard before. Because now is the time in your relationship to be able to to develop intimacy in other areas besides just going to sexual intimacy. So what we're going to do is we're going to take a look at each of these different things. And and how do you develop intimacy? The first one that's obviously we're going to talk about is physical intimacy. Now that's usually where we start as human beings. That's where our culture starts. And, and, And the problem is we start too fast and go too far. When, when scripture actually instructs us instead, when it comes to physical intimacy, he said, proceed with caution and with care. Be careful in this. Because, like I said, it, it seems like the message that our culture constantly portrays in movies in, 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 on TV and just in books, and it's just like anytime anybody falls in love, they have to jump into the bed together. And like, that's the starting point. That's the only way that our our culture seems to be able to express, this is how you express love. And it's not. And and, and the biblical pattern is better, better. In fact, if you start start with physical intimacy, you're doing it all backwards. And if you go into deep physical intimacy right at the get-go, let me tell you, it changes the relationship. It absolutely changes the relationship. Because once two people have sex together, they never look at each other the same way. Never, ever again. It changes the relationship. And, 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 and when we jump into that too soon, what we are doing, what, what, what we are doing is we are, we are engaged in an intimate act, a life-uniting act, as we've been talking about, without life-uniting intent. And we're jumping into one area of intimacy with complete disregard to every other aspect of who we are. And that's why we've been saying throughout the series, it's not just sex. It's not just two bodies. It's two souls. It's two whole people. And, and that's why it just it changes the relationship when you engage in one level of intimacy in, in, in one area and completely disregard the others. And that's why scripture says, be careful about this. Go slow about this. Um, The body is not meant for sexual immorality, but for the Lord and the Lord for the body. Your bodies are temples of the Holy Spirit. God dwells there within you. Who is in you? Whom you have received from God. Therefore, he says, honor God with your bodies. Now, what he's saying is, be cautious. Go slowly. Pre-decide your boundaries, and then don't violate them. And you need to pre-decide. You need to set those boundaries ahead of time because when you are in the moment, your brain goes into another place. It just disappears. And so you got to pre-decide and set those limits and then decide, I'm not going to go past this until I'm married. Unless there's the, the, the God-honoring intent and commitment, then I am not going to take that life-uniting step. Because you're more than a body. You're more than a body. He says, be careful. 
Now, I'm not saying no physical intimacy, okay? There are appropriate levels of physical intimacy and expressions of love. But set a boundary. Determine it ahead of time. And then don't violate it. Because when you do, you're violating yourself. And be careful how you, how you use your body. And let me, let me speak particularly to women, to girls right now, single women, single ladies, okay? Because, listen, if you don't understand this yet, if you haven't gotten this yet, guys are visually stimulated, okay? That, that's all they need to do is see, okay? So you need to be careful. And, and I'm, I'm speaking to women, and, and you just need to. You need to be careful how you dress is going to have an impact on your relationship. It does. Andy Stanley does a great job of this. He says, he says, take a tip from fishing. Any fishermen here? Fishermen? How do you decide which bait you're going to use? Fishermen, come on. Depending on what you're fishing for. Yeah. So here's the deal. If you are trolling with your body, you're going to catch body snatchers every single time. You will. You will, because, because that's what you're using for bait. And, and listen to this. And then what will happen is, you'll, if you keep doing that relationship after relationship after relationship, you'll get to a point and say, all men are pigs. No, just the men you're dating are pigs. And if you go back and you think through all of your dates and all the people you've been with, you've been with this guy, this guy, this guy, this guy. What is the one common denominator in all of one of those? Every one of those. It's you. It's you. And, and it is so true. And then here's, here's the other thing. I got some really sad news for you. Because if, if, you are, if you are trolling with your body, if you're using your body as bait kind of a thing, okay, then you're going to have to keep up the bait, keep it fresh. <laughs> and here's the really sad news. That no matter how cute and beautiful you might be right now, that's as far as I'm going to go with that one, okay? <laughs> it, it just... It, it's, it's, it's a no-win situation. Proverbs 11.22 says, Like a gold ring in a pig's snout is a beautiful woman who shows no discretion. That's godly wisdom. So you can be the most beautiful woman in the world. But if you're not using that with discretion, if you're not being smart about that, that's like a gold ring in a pig's nose. Be careful. Be careful when it comes to physical intimacy. Be cautious and be careful. The next thing is emotional intimacy because we're not just physical beings. We are also emotional beings. And you develop emotional intimacy. The way that you do that is with compassion and with, and with uh, consideration. 1 Peter 3, 7 says, Husbands, be considerate as you live with your wives and treat them with respect as the weaker partner and as heirs with you of the gracious gift of life. Now, ladies, don't get bent out of shape when you read that weaker partner thing, okay? All, all, all Peter is saying is if it came down to an arm wrestling match, you would lose, okay? That's all he means by that. He's not saying you're inferior. He doesn't say you're not any, as good as... What he's just simply saying is... And, and he's saying to men particularly, he says, guard and protect. Be considerate. Consider the feelings of your wife, of your girlfriend. Guard and respect them. Guard and respect them. See, here's the thing. I need to know how my wife functions emotionally. I need to know that. 
I need to know her joys. I need to know her hopes and her dreams. I need to know the things that make her happy. So I do those kinds of things. I need to know her fears. I need to know her anxieties, her insecurities. I need to know those things so I don't violate them because that's what he's saying. He says, guard and protect them. Guard and protect them. Consider their thoughts. Consider their feelings. And then guard and protect them. Now, the problem is, as Larry pointed out last week, we are so different, men and women. We, we, that, we don't understand each other. And that's why you got to become a student of your husband, a student of your wife, a student of your boyfriend or girlfriend or fiance or whoever is your significant other right now. You've got to get to know them. You've got to understand what's going on in them because they are different from you. I picked up this book a number of years ago. I love it. It's called Men Are Like Waffles, Women Are Like Spaghetti. Uh, and it's actually quite, quite good. He says, men are like waffles. Men process life in boxes. If you look down at a waffle, you will see a collection of boxes separated by walls. The boxes are all separate from each other and make convenient holding places. This is typically how a man processes life. Our thinking is divided up into boxes that have room for one issue and one issue only. The first issue of life goes in the first box and the second goes in the second box and so on and so on. The typical man lives in one box at a time and only one box at a time. When a man is at work, he is at work. When he's in the garage tinkering around, he is tinkering around in the garage. When he is watching TV, he is simply watching TV. That is why it looks as though he's in a trance and can ignore everything else going on around him. (laughs) Social scientists call this compartmentalization. That is, putting life and responsibilities into different compartments. In contrast to men's waffle-like approach, women process life more like a plate of pasta. If you look at a plate of spaghetti, you will notice there are lots of different individual noodles that all touch one another. If you attempt to follow one noodle around the plate, it would intersect with a lot of other noodles. And you might even switch to another noodle seamlessly. That is how women face life. Every thought and issue is connected to every other thought and issue in some way. Life is much more of a process for women than it is for men. As a result, most women are in pursuit of connecting life together. They solve problems, but from much different perspective than men. Women consistently sense the need to talk things through. In conversation, she can link together the logical, emotional, relational, and spiritual aspects of the issue. The links all come naturally to her, so the conversation is effortless. And if she's able to connect all the issues together, the answer to the question at hand bubbles to the surface and is readily accepted. This often creates stress for couples because while she is making all the connections, he is frantically jumping from box to box trying to keep up with the conversation. The man's eyes are rolling back in his head while a tidal wave of information is swallowing him up. And when she is done, she feels better and he is overwhelmed. (laughs) And it's true. We process life differently. We react emotionally differently. And one of the most important things you can do, particularly if you are single, in the dating process is make the emotional connections understand this fiance of yours or this person that you were dating. Work at the relational connections and the emotional connections because emotions, see, the emotions are the things that are closest to our heart. Aren't they? That's why, that's why, think about your current relationship, okay? How long did it take for you to be able to use the word love? (laughs) You know, that wasn't the first date kind of a thing. 
it, it took a while in the relationship. A couple of reasons. First of all, you wanted to make sure you, you really did kind of feel that way about this person. Secondly, you wanted to have a pretty good idea that what you would get back in return is, I love you too. <laughs> Why? Because you just put your heart out there. You know, and if it just hangs there, well, that's a real painful hanging, you know. <laughs> it hurts. Because, because our emotions are things that are closest to our hearts. And that's why, that's why Scripture says, particularly men, because we're, we're just not good at this, guard and protect the emotions of your wife, your girlfriend even. Guard and protect them. And this particularly becomes meaningful when there's conflict, when there's an argument, when there's disagreement about something. Because what happens is the emotion starts to kick in. And emotionally, we start saying things that we would never say if we weren't feeling this emotion right now. And what happens is we start lobbying these verbal emotional hand grenades at each other. And what we don't understand is that we are doing damage on a level far, far deeper than you think. You don't realize the level of hurt that you're inflicting. Because you're, you're you're venting your own emotion. But you're also undercutting the other person's emotion. That's why Colossians 3.19 says, Husbands, love your wives and never treat them harshly. And I would, by extension, to say to this, men, treat, never treat a woman harshly. Never. Never. There's no ambiguities there. Don't do that kind of deep, deep, deep level of hurt. Because what happens is, over a period of time, you get hurt on that deep level so much, what you do is you find ways to numb the pain. And then, and then what happens is you don't realize, why isn't she responsive like she used to be? Well, because you just like dragged her through the mud and beat her up emotionally. 1 Corinthians 13 says that love always protects, always trusts, always hopes. It's talking about that emotional connection. Protecting, trusting each other, hoping with each other. So we're physical beings, we're emotional beings. We are also social or relational beings. And so the other thing you want to do is you want to develop a relational intimacy. And that comes through a growing companionship. Which is just a fancy C word because I had to find C's so you all fit really nicely in the outline. But it's really about friendship. It's really what it is. It's developing a deep friendship. The couples who want their relationships to be lasting and enduring become best friends. Work at the friendship level. Song of Solomon. If you haven't read Song of Solomon, okay, it's it's like the sexiest book in the Bible. And it may not seem that way because there's a lot of innuendo and there's a lot of... uh, well, there's a lot of symbolism and analogy that we wouldn't get today. But if you read through that and understand it, it's a, it's a collection of love poems and, and wooing of, of, of a husband to his wife and a wife to her husband and, and complimenting and all of these kinds of things. And, and in the middle of this song, song of Solomon, um, Shulamite, the, the wife, says this. She says, his mouth is sweet to kiss and I desire him very much. Yes, daughters of Jerusalem, this is my lover and my friend. Do you know that um, studies have been done on this? And in marriages, in marriages, 
the highest level of sexual satisfaction and romantic satisfaction of all the things that they, of, of what, what are the contributing factors to all of this, if I can say this right, um, by 70% was the level of deep friendship wife felt with her husband. That was the single greatest contributing factor to romantic satisfaction and sexual satisfaction in the marriage. And, and here's the thing, and they did it with men as well. And you know what? It was the exact same percentage, 70%, which means waffles and spaghetti do go together sometimes. <laughs> but it's true. It's the friendship level. Ecclesiastes 9.9 says, enjoy life with your wife whom you love all the days of this fleeting life God has given you. Enjoy life together. Now, here's one thing for, for women. Here's something, you know, and if you're married, particularly for wives, then one of the chief things that your husband, that your boyfriend wants from you is a playmate. Not the playboy kind of playmate, but someone who will come and have fun with them. Because the little boy never really grows up. <laughs> And they're looking for someone they can have fun with, that will play with them, that will go and do these things with them. And that's why, like when you're in the dating process and you, you're willing to go on those roller coasters and those scary rides that you hate otherwise, and you'll go bungee jumping, you'll even jump out of an airplane, you know, for him, you know, and then you get married and you say, okay, I don't have to do that stuff anymore. That's a bait and switch. <laughs> it is, because that's what he's looking for. He's looking for someone who will play with them. Do life together. And again, this is one of those things where men and women are different. That, just to point out, I put together just a little quiz this morning, okay? Uh, it's a recreational quiz. What I want you to do is tell me, which of these, these activities would be more appealing to a male or female, okay? Let's, let's just see, because I kind of thought this through, but maybe I'm wrong, okay? So we're going to do this. Which of these activities would be more appealing to men, which would be more to women? First one, weekend at a bed and breakfast inn. <laughs> See, it wasn't just me. Going to a hockey game. Amen. Skydiving. Amen. Long walks along the seashore. Amen. Rock climbing. Amen. Afternoon tea. Amen. Browsing through a quaint little shop. S-H-O-P-P-E. Yeah, okay, okay. Camping. Outdoors without a tent. Man, okay, okay. In case there were some of you on the fence. Curling up with a good book. An MMA tournament. Now, women, if you don't know what MMA is, okay, don't worry about it. You wouldn't be interested, okay? But, but that's the thing. Again, you know, we're different in this stuff. But in some ways, I think, well, maybe God's got a sense of humor. But the truth is, I think what he's doing is he's, he's made us different enough so that we complement each other and we fit together and make up for each other's missing pieces. And, and the best thing that you can do for any relationship is just go have fun together. Find activities that you both enjoy and engage in them. Now, what's going to happen is you're going to have some interests and he's going to have some others. And, and they, they don't meet together. Find ways to make the connection. I love, I've used this example before. I love sailing. Every Thursday night through the summer, through the, the racing season we have out here, every Thursday night, I'm out there sailing, if I, unless I'm out of town. I love it. It's, it's, it's rejuvenating for me. I love it. It's just, it's, I, 
there's nothing better in the world to me than being out on the water sailing. My wife does not share that same interest. But one of the things that she does is that every Thursday night after the race, we come and clean up the boat and everybody goes up to the, to the yacht club because that's where they post the results. And she always comes down to the yacht club to hang out with me and with my sailing buddies and takes an interest in that. She's not all that interested. If it's a nice, calm day, it's sunny and warm, and there's less than five knots of wind, she might consider going out. <laughs> but other than that, she really doesn't have any interest in that. But she takes an interest in me And that's the way that she participates. She loves to dance. I do not. (laughs) I didn't, I never danced a step in my life till my daughter's wedding. And I had to take a lesson to be able to do that. Okay. But she loves it. And so I dance. As bad as I might be, I dance because I love her. And she loves the ballet. And I've gone to the ballet once so i got to do better at this than she is but the idea is the more things that you enjoy together pour yourself into the activities that you enjoy together in the areas that maybe you don't enjoy those things together doesn't mean you can't do those things ever again in your life but find a way to take interest in it with each other find a connecting point because here's the thing your recreation is your re creation that's the renewing stuff that's the enjoyable stuff in your life and you want to associate as many fun times together as you possibly can because what you're doing is you're building a deep friendship and the friendship is the thing that's going to carry you through all the peaks and valleys of life that's what you're looking for that's what we're truly desirous of and it's those deep friendships that you build through those good fun experiences in life that help you carry through the difficult and dark days that you go through and everybody goes through them proverbs 17 17 a friend loves at all times and a brother is born for a time of adversity you build those kind of friendships with each other for the adverse times and now if you are single now is the time to concentrate on this These are the things you need to be working on. Relational intimacy. And we are intellectual beings. So you want to develop an intellectual intimacy. And that comes about through communication, through conversation. Okay, Intellectual intimacy is all about thoughts, ideas, opinions, knowing how your wife thinks, how your husband thinks, how your boyfriend, how your fiancé thinks, understanding the way that their brains work. And again, we are different. Do you know... Scientific fact. They've been doing a lot of studies now between male and female brains. Do you know that the male brain is bigger than the female brain? It's true. It's absolutely true. Now, guys, don't get a swelled head over that. Oh. Um, But, and and here's the other thing. Male brains have, by and large, more gray matter, which are the firing um, neurons, okay, the, the, the active neurons, that's the gray matter of the brain. And women have more white matter. White matter is the connection between the neurons. And that's why men are so focused. That's why they can watch TV and be totally oblivious by the kids who are fighting over each other right next to, you know, right next to them. You know, that's all he can do because he can do one thing at a time. And, and here's the other thing. This is the thing they found out. That men on average are only using one half of their brain at a time. Yeah, they only they operate one hemisphere or the other. They don't work two hemispheres together very well. But women, and they've done studies where they, you know, they 
they electronically you know, figure out, they have them go through tasks or have conversations or whatever, and they see what part of the brain is working. Women function with both halves firing at the same time. Now, the male brain is there. It's just only on half a tank. You know, I don't know. But, but it's, we're different. We are wired differently. Physiologically, we are wired differently. So we think differently. We have different thought patterns. That's why women have great intuition. Because they put all those little different things that are going on together in their brain. And the guy's like, uh, okay. You know, because it's just the way that we are wired. So understanding each other's thought process, understanding ideas and opinions. Again, if you are single, now is the time to be doing this. And if you are married, this is a, this is a lifelong journey. But continue to understand. Now, how do you do that? You do that through conversation. Husbands, take good care of your wives. Treat them with respect. Live together in peace. Be understanding. Be understanding. Pay attention. Engage in those conversations. Now, communication is a whole different message, and I don't have time to go through it, but let me just give you a a brief synopsis, okay? We communicate on all different levels in conversation, okay? There's what's called the cliche level. It's the very, very surface conversation. It's a conversation you have in an elevator with somebody that you don't know, but you happen to be stuck in this little box for a a period of time, and if you're going to talk at all, you just kind of talk about stuff that nobody really cares about because there's no relationship there. It's called cliche level. Okay, below that, there's called the information level. It's the sharing of meaningful facts and, and data. And there's a little bit of meaningful conversation that goes on there. It's the kind of conversation you have with a coworker. You're on a project, so you're talking about the project. No personal involvement or very little personal involvement, okay? Where you really take the plunge is when you start getting into the opinion level because opinions are personal. See, so when you start understanding your wife's, not that you agree with her or not that you agree with him in their opinion, but that you understand why and accept their reasoning. You develop a deeper relationship because each one of these steps down develops greater intimacy. Below the opinion level is that, that emotional level that we talked about. On the emotional level, Start talking about that meaningful stuff that's close to the heart. But even deeper than that, there's the need level. And that's kind of the rock bottom who I am. And your conversations ought to be making their way down through the depths to get down to who this is who I really am. This is what I really need. This is how I really function. Because all those things, that's developing intimacy, intellectual intimacy. Now, there's three ground rules for that. When you get down to those levels of conversation, the first one is be kind. Don't pay back unkind words with unkind words. Instead, 1 Peter 3, 9, pay them back with kind words. When you're in those deep conversations, be kind. The second thing is be honest. Ephesians 4.15, we will speak the truth. We will speak the truth in love. And that's the third one, be loving. When you get into those deep conversations, be kind, be honest, be loving. And you develop this level of intimacy in all of these different areas. Last one, we are spiritual beings. And here's the one, and when I do premarital counseling, when I do marriage counseling, I said, you know what? This is the one that gets most ignored. It's the least often thought about, but it is the most important. And while our culture says, start with the physical intimacy, and maybe, 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 probably not because you won't want to bother with it, get to the spiritual level, I would turn that all the way around. 
And I say, if you're going to start anywhere, start developing a spiritual intimacy. Now, that doesn't mean every date is Bible study and prayer, okay? That's not what I'm saying. But what I am saying is find someone with a common faith because that's what spiritual intimacy is all about, a common faith. Because what we're talking about here is is your soul, is your spirit. It is the very core, the very essence of your being. And if you cannot communicate with the most important person in your human life, at that core level, you are missing a big, big chunk of intimate connection. And that's why the Bible says, do not be yoked together with unbelievers. That's why he says that. Because this is the core of your being. This is, this is who you are. In fact, he goes on. He writes this. He says, what do right and wrong have in common? Can, a light, can light and darkness be friends? Can Christ and Satan agree? Does, what does a believer have in common with an unbeliever? Now, he, again, he is not saying that that unsaved boyfriend is wicked, satanic, and demon-possessed, okay? Your parents might think that, but that's not what it's saying. <laughs> what he's saying is you don't have a common foundation for your lives. How can you function at the core foundational level of who you are when you don't share that common faith? Because being yoked together has to do with the same, the same perspective, the same direction, the same um, working together towards the same goals. That's what being yoked together is all about. And he says, you, you're not even plowing in the same field. He said, be yoked together. Don't be mismatched because you're operating from a whole different set of principles, a whole different, different set of values. You, see, you have a whole different outlook on life. Said, be careful about that. If you're going to start anywhere in a relationship, that's where you ought to start. And I will tell you this, the best place to find, the best place to find a potential mate for your life is in your local church. In fact, I would take it even further. The best place to find a potential mate for your life is working in a ministry in your church. Because you are going to connect up with someone who is sold out to God, who understands that my faith is not just about what I get, it's what I give back. And I become a follower of Christ when I begin serving. And so if you are serving in a ministry alongside somebody, that's where you can make the best connection. Now, there's no guarantees, but what I'm saying is you are, you're starting square one on the right foundation. And you've already got this in common, and you're moving in the same direction from here. And I would even go so far as to say this. If you are serious about dating, and I think you ought to be, I think you ought to be, everybody ought to be serious about their dating. Well, married people, you ought to be serious about your dating too, but just with your wife or husband. Um, but, but seriously, dating, you should not, you really should not date anybody that you would not, content, not consider a potential mate. You really shouldn't. Because really that's what the dating process is all about. That's really, it's, it's discovering all these things about each other. It's developing intimacy on all these different levels. And, and you really shouldn't be going out on a date. Oh, but he's so cute. Oh, and we love, we have the same, we have a song, you know. Yeah. That'll last you about six months, okay? Date someone. You think, you know, this is someone I might consider. Not that I'm going to, not that I'm jumping into that commitment right now, but it's at least someone that I would consider as a potential mate for life. Because things happen in relationships over time. 
And, and, and if you don't start out on the right foot, you know, pretty soon the relationship kind of grows, but now there's this big piece that's missing. And the whole idea of dating, which, which we don't do anymore in our culture, very little of it, very little dating or courting or wooing or whatever they used to call it. But that's what this is all about. It's building a relationship that gets you to the place of the life commitment where you can do the touchdown dance. That's really what, what it's all about. So if you're a believer and you're in a relationship right now with someone who's not a Christian, you, know, you ought to really take a second look at that. Now, let me say, if you are married to someone who is not a Christian, if you're a Christ follower and your husband or your wife is not, the Bible makes it very, very clear. You don't just walk out on them. In fact, 1 Corinthians 6.12, he says, if a Christian man has a wife who is not a believer and she's willing to continue living with him, he must not leave her. And the very next sentence says the same thing. If a Christian woman has a husband who is not a believer, but she's willing, he's willing to live with her, she must not leave him. And he goes on, he says, because you have a chance to influence their life. So if you're married, you find yourself in that relationship, and, and, and you're not on the same page, you don't walk out on the relationship. What you do is you become the best wife you can possibly be. You become the best husband you can possibly be. So you can be a demonstration of what this life in Christ is all about and how it's transformed you. Now, let me say something. If you're here this morning and, and you, um, you are dating a Christian and you are not a Christian, um, I'm going to tell you, uh, she's, he's not accepting you just the way you are. They love you, but their deepest desire for you is to come to faith that they have. And it's not because they're trying to make you more religious. It's not because they're trying to change you or mold you into their shape. They just want you to discover the greatest discovery they ever made in their life. And, and maybe you're here because they talked you into coming to church. Because if you love me, you'll come to church with me. And now you find yourself stuck in church on a Sunday morning. The only reason they did that is because they love you. And they want to love you not just for this life. They want to love you for eternity. And they want you to discover how Jesus Christ can transform your life and bring you closer together than you never thought possible. Because that's, that's really what God's design is. To bring one whole person together with another whole person and the two become one. Would you bow your heads with me? Thank you for listening to this week's message. We trust that you'll join us again soon for another uplifting message from Northgate Christian Fellowship located in Venetia, California.